a couple years ago, I started a new job while I was living in Milwaukee. It was at an after-school program, and it was a great job. I got to help teenagers with their homework, got to teach them about Jesus, and on the rare occasion, I also got to debate urban legends with them. See, when I first moved there and I started that job, there was this crazy news story going on at the time. And it was this, that there was a possible lying sighting walking down downtown Milwaukee. And it was, it was pretty crazy. You don't, you don't hear that in the news every single day, that there's a lion on the loose. And uh, they would show these pictures. It kind of reminded me of like those grainy Bigfoot pictures that are out there, like this weird grainy picture of some guy in the woods. That's kind of what it looked like of a picture of a cat walking through the downtown area. So I wasn't exactly sure if it was real or not. But the kids that I talked to, oh, they were convinced. They were convinced that this lion was real. Did it escape from the zoo? Was there some weirdo out there that owned a pet lion that escaped? They were convinced that there was a lion walking through downtown Milwaukee. So I played with them and asked them, you know, what would you do if you saw a lion on the loose? What would you do if you knew that there was a lion outside? And I got some good answers like I did with the children's lesson. You know, I would, I would panic. I would hide. I would never go outside again. I would climb a tree. I would run as fast as I could. Uh, but that's, that's the question that I asked them. And that's the same question that I want to ask you today. How would your life change if you knew a lion was on the loose? How would your life change? Now, I'm not talking about literal lions. I, for as far as I know, we don't need to worry about them. But, in the Bible, lions are pictured as a spiritual enemy. Anyone out there or anything that wants to hurt you physically or spiritually is described as a lion. Check out these Bible passages. Psalm 7 says, Lord, save and deliver me from all who pursue me, or they will tear me apart like a lion. Psalm 10 says, The wicked man hunts down the weak. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. So a wicked person is described as a lion that's crouched down, ready to pounce on someone. Roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths wide against me. So the people out there are described as lions, preying on the weak. Uh, but worst of all, as we read in our first lesson, Satan, our greatest enemy, is also described as a lion. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And that's the fact there is, that there are lions out there. There are people in this world that want you to stop being a Christian. There, are, there is Satan on the loose, and he wants to harm you physically. He wants to hurt your soul and make sure that you don't end up to heaven. And these lions, they want to harm you. These lions want to see you take another drink when you know that you shouldn't. These lions want you to explode after you hear that hurtful text message. These lions want you to go to that website again, even, you told, even though you told yourself you'd never look at it again. These lions want you to fill up your calendar so much that you have no time for God and his word. These lions want you to doubt that God will provide for you and constantly worry about money. There are lions out there. So how would your life change if you knew there was a lion on the loose? How would your life change? If there are literal lions out there, you would make some adjustments to your life. 
You would make sure that you would have a lion drill and that everyone would be protected if there was ever a lion outside. You would come up with a strategy about how to defend yourself against these lions. And you're in church, so I have a feeling that you believe in spiritual warfare. You believe that there are spiritual forces out there that are trying to harm you. But I also think that it's easy for us to just pretend that they don't exist. To just think, I'll be just fine all by myself. I, sure, spiritual warfare, lions, whatever, I'll be, I'll be okay by myself. But instead of acting like that today, we are going to look at the story of Daniel and the lion's den and to see how God protected him against the lions in his life. The story starts off like this. It pleased Darius, he's the new king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So Darius was the new king, he was the guy on the top, and right underneath him he had like three governors to oversee the kingdom, and underneath those three governors was 120 satraps, the fancy word for a mayor. So basically you have three governors and 120 mayors throughout the kingdom. And Daniel was one of those three governors, which is impressive, just showing how high he climbed up that political ladder, showing that God had blessed him throughout his efforts um, and that he was almost to the top of the kingdom. And it gets even better than that. Now, Daniel was so distinguished among the administrators by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So, uh, out of the three governors there were, there were three guys and one was Daniel. Daniel was clearly better than the other two. Daniel was just so good at his job, he was so good at everything that he did, that King Darius said, you know what, I want to give Daniel a promotion. I have three guys watching over everything, I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to put Daniel and then two guys answering to him. And as you can imagine, the two guys that heard that Daniel was getting a promotion weren't too happy about that, because in a sense, they were getting demoted. So they came up with a strategy. The administrators tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him. So they looked at the life of Daniel. They thought to themselves, I mean, I've done some shady stuff in my life if we had to admit it to get to this job that I have right now. And you know who else must have? Daniel. Everyone does some type of shady, morally corrupt stuff in the business world, so... We'll keep our eye on Daniel, we'll keep watching him, making sure that he doesn't do anything wrong. And when he does do something wrong, bam, we'll jump on him and get him fired. But they kept watching Daniel. They kept looking at him, and they thought to himself, man, this guy is good. He plays by all the rules in the book. He's never done anything wrong. So they had to switch their strategy. If they weren't going to find him doing something wrong just by breaking the normal laws, they had to get him to break a law because of his religion. Anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. So their strategy switches. They're going to try and have Daniel break a religious law. They said, let's pass this law, King Darius, that we want the whole kingdom to bow down and worship you for the next 30 days. You're not allowed to worship anyone else during these 30 days. And the only reason why they did this was so that they could get Daniel now killed. Instead of just getting him fired, they now they wanted him killed, to get him thrown into the lion's den. And King Darius, he was a new king, and he thought to himself, hmm, everyone bow down and worship to me? If guys want to do that, fine with me. So he let them pass this law that if you want to bow down and worship to King Darius for the next 30 days, uh, if you don't do that, you'll be thrown into the lion's den. So if you knew that this law was getting passed, do you think it would be easy to kind of hide your face 
faith for 30 days? Think it'd be easy to, you know, not worship publicly. You could, I'll still do my devotions, but I'll just do it in private so that no one finds out about it. I don't really want to be doing this in front of someone else's face because otherwise I'll get killed for it. Do you think that Daniel faced that temptation? Do you think that he privatized his faith and hid it? No way. This is what Daniel did. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. So Daniel, he went back to his room, as he always did, and he opened the windows wide open uh, so that everyone could see what he was doing. That's how he prayed. Three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So Daniel was in the habit of praying three times a day. Three times a day, he would get down on his knees, give thanks to the Lord, and pray to him. And just because somebody passed a law, that wasn't going to change it. Daniel was a man of habit. Daniel made God's word a priority in his life, and he habitually prayed to God. He was not tempted to hide his faith, and he continued to be bold in it. And that dedication to God's word and prayer reminds me that of the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, uh, the football team. I'm sure you've heard of them. Um, There are a couple guys on that team that regularly get together and study God's word together. As you can imagine, uh, being a Christian and an NFL football player isn't always the easiest thing to do. Think about it. They have, uh, all of a sudden, they just have all this money in their life. And they have a ton of cameras on them and all the time. And they probably have women swooning over them as well. So as you can imagine, I feel like they might face some temptations in this world to live out their faith as an NFL football player. So a couple guys on this team, they decided that we're going to study God's word together. Uh, one quarterback, the backup quarterback, Nick Foles, he told a great story. He said that uh, God's word is the first thing that he'll do at the start of his day. Sometimes uh, they need him there at practice at 6 a.m., so he sets his alarm two hours earlier. He wakes up at 4 a.m. to study God's word. And sometimes the coaches want him there at 4 a.m. So he sets his alarm for 2 a.m. to study God's word. Can you imagine that? What a great example of somebody living out their faith and prioritizing uh, studying God's word above everything else. And I think my favorite quote came from Carson Wetz, the, the starting quarterback. He said, If you are not rooted in God's word, this world will eat you up. And isn't that what we've been talking about these last few weeks with the sermon series of Culture Clash? Talking about how there's the world out there and there's your own Christian faith and they're often the two things don't line up. And if you don't make studying God's word a priority, if you aren't making that a number one thing in your life, the world will have no problem if you give it up. The world will have no problem if you stop becoming a Christian and giving up your faith. The world will eat your faith up if you aren't studying God's word. That's what he's saying here. But how would your life change if you knew a lion was on the loose? Do you have... God's word as the number one priority in your life, just like that of the Philadelphia Eagles? Are you bold in your faith like Daniel, willing to pray to God no matter what the consequences? See, I'm a pastor, and I'm blessed. I get to be able to study God's word for my living, and I'm in God's word constantly. But I also know what it's like that when my day gets busy, for private devotion to be the first thing that I cut from my schedule. I know what it's like to be bold in my faith at times, but I also know what it's like to be embarrassed for my faith at times. I'm sure you've struggled with this as well. 
But would your life change if you knew that there was a lion on the loose? Would your life change if you knew that there, the world was out there actively trying to destroy your faith? Knowing that lions are out there, knowing that spiritual enemies are real, could affect our way that we study our Bible. Because we know that we need strength from God. We need strength from God. Without God's strength, we are like a slow gazelle just waiting to get pounced on by a hungry lion. We need God's strength. And God showed his strength to Daniel. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king didn't want to do this. Remember, he liked Daniel. He wanted to give him a promotion. But the people pointed out to him, he said, you passed this law, you've got to follow through with it. So he did. He brought Daniel, and before he threw him in the lion's den, he said, Daniel, I hope the God that you prayed to can save you from this. And then he threw Daniel in the lion's den. And the king was real beat up over this. The king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. So normally the kings, they get the best food. They have feasts delivered right to their house. But not tonight. Darius wasn't going to eat. And normally the kings have the best entertainment, but he said, no Netflix for me, me tonight. I'm just too beat up. And he also couldn't sleep either because of what he just did. He had to throw a man to the lion's den. He was really shook up about this, and he couldn't sleep at all during the night. So as soon as the sun peeked out in the morning, he got up, and he went to go check in at the lion's den. And he went to the lion's den where the stone was, and he shouted, Daniel, are you okay? And to his surprise, Daniel answered. My God sent his angel, Daniel said, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Daniel went through this trial, and God saved him. Daniel went through this trial, and the Lord God rescued him from, from being attacked by lions. What I find is so much interesting about the story, about Daniel's prayer life and being rescued and all that, was that at this point in Daniel's life, he was probably around the age of 90 years old. That's what some people think, somewhere between 80 and 90 years old. So if you're a teacher that uh, teaches your students about this, either at grade school or Sunday school, make sure you have them draw a beard online when you give, on Daniel when you give out the coloring sheets, because he was an old man at this point. Uh, but what's interesting about that is because throughout the rest of the book of Daniel, we are given a glimpse into about nine days of his life. There are a couple different stories, a couple different days that we get to see into the life of Daniel. But throughout Daniel's whole life, he was praying. He was praying habitually, studying God's word three times a day just to be strong in his faith because he didn't know when his trial would come. He didn't know when he would face the lion's den, but he knew they needed the strength to do it. And Daniel went to the lion's den, and God kept him strong. God graciously kept him alive. He could have let Daniel die and get brought home to heaven, but God so blessed him by closing the mouth of the lion and making sure that he was protected. Daniel was just safe from this lion's den. At the king's command, command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Kind of a grim passage, huh? So the, the guys who didn't like Daniel, the guys who were trying to get him fired, uh, the king wrangled them up, them, and not only them, but also their families, their wives and children, and they threw them to the lion's den. 
And before they even hit the floor, the lions tore them to pieces. Like I said, a little grim. But I think the reason why this passage is even in the Bible is because if this wasn't in there, you know you would watch that History Channel special. There would be that History Channel special talking about vegetarian lions out there with some strange disease that don't eat people. And you'd think to yourself, oh, these lions are weird. They just, these are just weird lions that don't eat humans. Uh, but that is not the case. These lions were ferocious, and they were hungry, and they ate these enemies of Daniel. And God is the reason that Daniel survived, not because of some natural consequences. This was a miracle that God saved Daniel. And Darius, the king, was moved by this. He was so surprised by this that he passed a new decree. He said, my kingdom must have fear and reverence to the God of Daniel. He rescues and he saves. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So King Darius, who once passed this law saying that everyone needs to bow down and worship me, instead is now saying, you know what? Daniel's God is the God who saves. He's the one who saved Daniel from the lion's den, and he is a God who rescues and he saves. And that's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. I have a feeling that you may have misheard the story growing up. And the point of the story was, look at Daniel, look how good of a guy he was, look how much he prayed. Now get out there, be a good person, pray a lot so that God can save you. Maybe you heard that story like that. But this story isn't about trying to be good like Daniel. This story isn't about Daniel. It's not about lions. But it's about the lion tamer. The lion tamer who was with Daniel in the lion's den, who closed the mouth of the lions. The lion tamer who saved Daniel from lions. The lion tamer who left heaven and came to this world. The lion tamer who was surrounded by a group of Roman soldiers who used their whips and claws to tear the skin right off of his back. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he fought the ultimate lion by dying on the cross. And he had a stone rolled over him in his pit. And he rose three days later and he conquered that lion. He conquered Satan, sin, death, everything that we had. And God is the one who came and he rescued Daniel and he saved him. And we know that our God can save us as well by knowing that what he did for us. So we may face lions in this world, but we know that we will be protected. About a year and a half ago, I saw a lion. It was about uh, as far as you are away from me. It was really close to me. And do you think I was scared of that lion? Let me show you. Do you think those faces look scared? No way. Look at that. We are not scared of lions at all. And you know the reason why? Because we were at a zoo. We were at a zoo, and there was a giant wall between me and that lion. If there wasn't that wall there, it'd be a different story. Yeah, I'd be scared of a lion. But because of that wall, I knew I was protected and safe. And that's what Jesus does for us. There are lions that we face in this life. There are things out there that are trying to destroy you and trying to hurt your faith. But we know that Jesus will protect us. Because he defeated the ultimate lion of sin and Satan and death, we know that he will take care of us. The same God who gave us faith will keep your faith strong in the faith and bring you safely to heaven. The God who saved Daniel is the God who saved you. If I can close out this message by saying the words from the sign that we've been singing the last few weeks. Didn't my Lord deliver Daniel? So then why not every man? Amen. Please stand.
We join in singing the Te Deum on page five of your bulletins. <laughs>